Good morning, everyone. Bill Lester here with University of Florida IFAS Extension Service in Hernando County. And welcome to this week's virtual plant clinic. I'm here with my regular co-host, Lily Browning, who's the Hernando County Florida Friendly Landscape Coordinator. So good morning, Lily. How are you? I'm pretty good, Bill. How are you? Good. What is this? A couple weeks in a row where the two of us have been available at 10 o'clock on a Thursday morning? Same place, same time. I know. Yeah. Good. I think I should be here next week, too. What is that? The second? I don't know. <laughs> today is. Yes, it is the second. And I believe that we're both going to be here. I'll be here. Yes. It's after that on the 8th that I will not be here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to have to do something about that. Um. <laughs> I'm going to contact Laura to see if she'll come on sometime. Laura Bennett is our multi-county um, livestock agent, livestock and pasture agent. Mm -hmm. And she covers Pasco County and Hernando and Sumter. And she may be covering citrus at the moment. I'm not sure if they got somebody new up there or not. So maybe citrus. We're not really positive. Well, she and, probably is. Yeah. She probably does, yeah. And we get, I, I know that I get a regular stream of emails from people with uh, Bahia questions when they're growing Bahia grass in a pasture, or animal questions, or how do I deal with weeds in a pasture, and you have to be given very, like, if you have weeds in your Bahia lawn in your front yard, I can tell you what kind of weed killers to use to help get rid of the weeds. If you have a pasture, it depends on what kind of animal you have living on the pasture, and you have to use something that's obviously safe for them to eat. So I send a regular stream of questions to her anyway. We may as well have her on here because I think we got a lot of followers with pastures and animals and maybe chickens and goats and mm -hmm. alpacas and who knows what else. And more people, I mean, I know you do know a lot about the edible crops and stuff, but does she handle any of that or is that all Matt who does that? No, Matt handles the small farms, people who are growing edible crops commercially, or they're putting together a commercial nursery, or they have any questions about getting a pesticide applicator license or CEUs. He handles that. Okay. I don't handle that. <laughs> That's a whole nother big area to get into mm -hmm. because I know that you used to work with extension and you probably yeah. remember people taking their tests for pesticide applicator. I license. actually was like the administrative support for all the CEUs for the pesticide licenses. Just by default, I became the one in the office who probably knew the most about who needs to take what. Um, but again, that was a decade ago, so probably well, now, changed. It's all online. So yeah. offices are sent a bunch of laptops. The test takers have to take it in the office on a laptop. It has to be locked down and moderated. They have yeah. to go to the FDAX website before that and pre-register, and they're given a code, a test code that they okay. have to bring in when they come in to take their test. It's complicated and time consuming. And like I said, yeah, that it, was that. Way. it was done that way when I was doing it minus the online part. You still 
got a code when you registered to take the test or that was sent to us and then they called us and I had to put their code on their test. Some tests, um, I believe we had, you know, we had them, they were in a locked file and we had them in there, you know, like three or four that were different for the same test. So if you have that many people in there, they're not taking the same test and you did need a moderator. It's usually a master gardener reading a book and um, <laughs> watching things. And um, yes, you know, you're reminding me of all this. There was one test that had to be sent to us each time and that was the public health test that the director of mosquito control had to take every so many years, so. Yes, that is a big involved mm -hmm. test. Yep. So you did mention you thought you didn't have any emails to share, but remember you had the one that asked all the questions as if we uh, designed it for like a quiz about vegetable gardening and all the things he has done to his vegetable garden. Wasn't that a comment that you got on Facebook? I thought it was an email. <laughs> no, I, don't, I didn't get an email. Okay. Well, okay, but it was a question about um, tomatoes, uh, green beans, that the leaves were turning yellow. No. Oh, no, that was a comment that you had on Facebook, and I had to go to your Facebook page and find it. Okay, but then there was on another it. one about lawns where they have done, he put everything you can imagine on this lawn. I'm confusing the two. Oh, yeah. I deleted that one. I don't even know if I still have it. So, <laughs> well, do you remember what he said he did to this one? We can we can talk about that. Um. Oh, he's a yes. He's been told by in your office by a person in your office, people, that he probably had take all root rot, but his work schedule did not allow him to bring in a uh, lawn sample. But he was sure it was, first he thought it was, oh, grubs or um, nematodes. Chinch bugs. No, nematodes. And maybe chinch bugs. No, he sent a picture of a, a very, very thin area in his St. Augustine lawn. The grass looks like it's being cut fairly short. And he lives in a neighborhood that we have worked with for years at this point. And the neighborhood is eaten up with take all root rot. And he said that he had already treated for grubs. I have never seen grubs damage a lawn. It's possible, but I have never seen it. And I asked a local um, owner of a pest control company who you know of also, he's retired now. Mm -hmm. So he's done it for many, many years in Hernando County. I said, how often do you have to test or treat for beetle grubs? Do you ever see a problem? He said in like 10 or 20 years, he's had to treat one yard for grubs. So grubs, when you go to the big box store, if you start reading the uh, signs and displays and this and that, you may be convinced, oh my God, I'm eating up with grubs and ants and I have to apply all this stuff to my lawn. If you live in North Carolina, maybe. Oh, sure. And if you live in a different state or even a different part of Florida, this is, you know, things are going to be different. Yes. But here, Grubs are not a problem. He said he's treated for chinch bugs. He probably never bothered to check if he had chinch bugs. He just treated for them. 
Now he thinks he has nematodes because he has spurge growing in the dead spots. If you have a dead, empty spot in your lawn, something, something will grow. It will be a weed, and it might be any weed imaginable, but it will grow. So now mm -hmm. he thinks he has nematodes. It's like, you have take all root rot. If you bring in a sample, we'll look at it, and we can verify that 100%. But you and all, how many people live there? How many people are in the neighborhood? How many homes? Uh, which community are you talking about? The one that begins with a W. Okay. Oh, I don't know. A couple thousand, probably. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's at least hundreds of homes in the neighborhood, and every one of them with the St. Augustine lawn has take all root rot. So you are part of that club. You <laughs> need to make sure your grass gets cut much, much higher than it has been, and you manage your lawn correctly. Otherwise, it will die. You'll replace it. It will die again. You'll replace it, and you'll get in this crazy cycle of if you manage, if you keep doing the same things, you're going to keep getting the same results, and you won't be happy with them. So. Yep. And, you know, really, not just that neighborhood, not just Spring Hill, Central Florida. It's a pretty good bet. If you're going to have to assume <laughs> and you can't get it verified, it's a pretty good bet that you do have um, take all root rot here in Central Florida if you have a problem with your St. Augustine lawn. There are approximately 1,100 homes. Okay. <laughs> out of 1,100 homes, each one with a St. Augustine lawn out front has had this problem at one point or another. And it's, it's widespread across all of Florida, depending on where you live and what type of soil you have. Your St. Augustine lawn may have issues with take-all root rot. There's a couple of other diseases. Chinch bugs can damage lawns. They're worse in some areas and much less worse in others. They're worse in the hottest areas, the area, the corners by your driveway. Yeah. Yeah. But when was the last time you saw a chinch bug? We almost never get samples brought into the office. We have maybe three or four times in eight years. So not very and often. When I worked at Extension, I worked there from 99 to 2011. So, yes, change bugs were a problem then with St. Augustine lawns. And there was a threshold. Do you hear me bouncing back? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, weird. There was a threshold of how many change bugs you saw per square foot. 20. Um, it's technically is 20 per square foot. Okay. Then you needed the treat for it. Bernie, the master gardener, who's a few rooms away from you, has told me he hasn't seen any living things and any lawn samples brought to him in a couple of years, which is really rather terrifying when you think about it. Yeah. So, you know, if Bernie tells you and if Teresa tells you who works in that office, you know, 40 hours a week, ha, 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 <laughs> more like. 60 um um that you probably have take all root rot then you know chances are really high that you do it's you know kind of like going to the internet you're going to find all kind of answers when you're ill you go to webmd you can have everything that you see there <laughs> 
same thing happens with you know our landscapes. Well, here's an here's something about nematodes, and I have those symptoms. I bet I have nematodes. Golf courses with specific Bermuda grass, there's where your nematode problems are. Not generally in your lawn grasses, correct? Correct. You know, that would be a good topic for a class. This is not your problem. <laughs> I see a lot. If, if people have a problem with an oak tree, everybody thinks of a sudden oak death, and that has not been identified in Florida. It's a disease that oak trees get in other states, but not in Florida. Every time an oak tree dies, it seems like sudden oak death, but that tree has been dying for three to five years mm -hmm. and hiding it. They're, they, you know, I guess that's where the term you're an oak. <laughs> it just acts like everything's fine until whoop, now I'm dead. <laughs> you know, it does not give you those warnings. But three years ago, you put in a pool your neighbor did or five years ago there was major flooding in that area and it has been slowly dying since then yeah another good example of something that we don't have here that people from up north are just so used to dealing with is japanese beetles yeah you don't have japanese beetles damaging your roses or plants or whatever not here in hernando county mm -hmm. we have plenty of our own stuff Sure, it, it, it is probably it may be something else, but it's not a Japanese beetle. So we a lot of but so, nobody bothers to even figure out what their problem is. They just start. I can't tell you. I can go on Facebook right now and see questions. What do I use on my vegetables to get rid of insects? What insects? What's your problem? Right. What are you trying to get rid of? Different cures for different things. Is it insects? Do you see an insect? You know, yeah. if you see an if, insect, is that insect causing any trouble or is it just stopping by? Yeah, this is the pretty much the very end of May right now. If you have a problem with uh, kale or collards or something like that, it's because they don't grow this time of year. It's too hot. Sure, they have plenty of insects, but insects are the least of your problems. Wrong your tomatoes time. are going to start going down. Your cherry tomatoes might last a little bit longer, maybe through June, maybe. Your regular tomatoes, it's already at the point where it is higher than 70 degrees at night. That's a major contributing factor. When that happens, tomatoes will throw off their blooms. And you need to wrap up the tomatoes, wrap up the beans. Your cucumbers are already either gone from disease or from... Um, uh, the caterpillars that get into them. Yep. Need, See, to, get, need to start planting that okra. Yeah, I was going to say, it's time to get the tough guys out. The okra, the sweet potatoes, the black-eyed peas. I always find that interesting because what do we associate those three things with? Summer. And the south. <laughs> southern, southern cooking. Southern food, southern cooking. You know, North Florida, Alabama, Louisiana. Huh, I wonder why. Because that's the only thing that grows in our summer heat. So, mm -hmm. you know, 100 years ago, that's all they had to eat. You know, they did, didn't have the option of going to the Piggly Wiggly and getting something <laughs> else from, you know, further north. Um, so, the, and you have been um, 
experimenting with some of the more tropical edible things that will grow in the heat of our winter, such as a class you have coming up very soon. You are welcome for that segue. Yes, we have a class this coming Tuesday on growing uh, tropical dragon fruit. And we have details on our Facebook page. Also, if you go to Hernando Extension, all one word, dot com, you can find all the information there. A uh, number of people signed up for it. And I think we're all set. I need to send out emails tomorrow, make sure everybody's got the link and we're good to go. But we have that coming up. I will, I'm still in the process of organizing a class on growing uh, edible ginger and turmeric because both of those are uh, very healthy things to consume if anybody's familiar with them at all. Also very essential and usable in any kind of uh, Asian cuisine. So that's a class that we're in the process of organizing right now. So stay tuned for more information because on I want to take that one. I'm interested in that growing, especially the turmeric. Yeah, the they're all potted up and sitting in the other room. I need to and water. Are ready, I'll eat the tubers whole so that I don't have any joint pain anymore. Will it work that way? Oh, they're, they're easy to grow. You can you plant them and you can grow in a container. You can grow them in the ground. And you just basically forget them. And then this fall, you can dig them up and harvest some roots and then take a, a little root and replant it for next spring and keep the process going year after year after year. So what should you do with your regular vegetable garden during the summer while you're playing with your summer crops, which, you know, aren't your, aren't your New York grandfather's crops. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, what should you do with, you know, your vegetable plot during the summer? You can try solarizing it some. And University of Florida has a lot of information online about how to solarize your vegetable garden. That will help to decrease bacteria, fungi, weed seeds, nematodes, doesn't guarantee that it's going to sanitize your garden forever, but it does help. You can grow a cover crop. And I need to have a class on cover crops. That would be cool, yeah. Thank you for reminding me about that. It is that time of year. Right. Uh, you could just make tons of compost and work the compost in. You don't want to abandon it and just leave it to the weeds because then this fall you'll come back and the weeds are all like waist high and you'll be very unhappy with yourself that you let it go. Right. I've done that before. Um, so so keep it weeded and... Yeah, because you don't want to then just till those weeds in because they're going to come right back up with your vegetables too. Sure. And I mean, if the weeds are small, you can just run a till... You can go through it with a tiller and you can keep doing that all summer, but you don't want to let the weeds go crazy and grow to maturity and flower and set seeds. Lee has um, all the summer crops growing now. And she also uh, has the ginger and the turmeric and makes tea out of them. That's a good idea. Yes, you can make tea. You can use the fresh root. You can dry it. I am I'm in the process of getting speakers to come in and talk about how to grow both of them. I just got an email from her, a uh, graduate student in Dr. Paul Fisher's department up at UF, who they did work with um, growing edible ginger and turmeric commercially in greenhouses. 
So she knows all about how to grow it. And somebody else to speak about recipes that you can use those in. Things like making teas and a lot of stuff you can make out of it. That sounds like an exciting class. Will, will it have a cost to it? Yes, we're going to have um, normally our growing groceries classes have a $20 charge. But in this class, you're going to get four plants for that $20. So if you look online and you want to buy a small edible ginger plant, because we did this when we were trying to figure out the price, 30 bucks. People mm -hmm. will charge 30 bucks for a little plant. And the price goes, you know, it can be higher, can be lower. You can start it from just the roots, but you have to make sure that it wasn't treated with something to stop it from sprouting and germinating because there are yeah, speaking of that, what do, you, what do you think of all those Facebook little videos and stuff where they show you that you take any piece of anything you got from the grocery store and stick it in a banana or stick it wherever and it just grows wonderfully? A lot of times you, what you'll end up with is low quality produce. If any. Yeah. If any. And then there's usually absolutely no mention of timing either. So they say take the little stump off your bunch of romaine and put it in water. And sure, it'll start to sprout leaves. If you grow it on a windowsill, they'll never get very large. You put it outside this time of year, it's going to either bolt or burn up very, very quickly. Um, I've always gotten better results from having a proper garden and just buying romaine seeds and planting them and growing a bunch of quality romaine. So, something to play with. Yeah. Some people hand, have luck with it. On the other hand, my brother, my brother, well, my son-in-law has a beautiful cherry tomato bush that came out of my compost pile. <laughs> it started growing there uh, the end of last January, and I was getting ready to go away for about 10 days. So, I was concerned about it. So... And it was coming through the slots in my compost bin. Yeah, no. I very carefully took it out and potted it up. And I gave it to uh, my daughter and son-in-law to watch with the dogs. I gave the dogs back. I did not receive the uh, cherry tomato back. And I've gotten one. My granddaughter nicely brought me one cherry tomato from it. But I sometimes I get pictures of uh, of it and how well it's doing. I'm glad they're. I'm glad they are, are enjoying it. <laughs> so. Yeah, there's all kinds of things that'll pop up in your compost pile, all depending on what you throw into it. Mm -hmm. And many obviously, times, obviously, I cherry tomatoes. Yeah. So sure, you'll get cucumbers and squash and all kinds of things coming out of it. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it works. But then other times, like if you try with a potato, you know they have a growth inhibitor so that they don't start getting, you know, growing out in your cabinet or yeah. uh -huh. although the, i mean sometimes you can be successful with that so if you want to grow potatoes you plant them in central florida in january or february not at the end of may don't plant them now but if you want to plant them in january or february you could take grocery store potatoes and try sprouting them either it will work or it will not work because there are inhibitors that they spray them with because you don't want to see potatoes sprouting at the grocery store. Right. You're not going to buy the potatoes. So they do have things that inhibit sprouting. 
sometimes it just slows it. It only inhibits it for oh, temporarily. Okay. So sometimes it'll work, sometimes it won't. Same thing with sweet potatoes. And I need to go and purchase sweet potatoes and start trying to sprout them so that I can get slips or little mm -hmm. shoots off the sweet potatoes. I have one right now that I left on top of the refrigerator and it's sprouting. Yay. I didn't plan on it sprouting, but I'm going to try <laughs> to, you know, make lemonade out of lemons. And I'm going to pot them up and I need to go out there and dig. I'm going to expand the garden and dedicate a big patch to sweet potatoes. And we're going to give them a shot this year because they are surprisingly easy to grow. You can get a really good crop of sweet potatoes here in Florida. Yeah. Well, I think, aren't they an African kind of plant? It's a at least semi-tropical vegetable. Oh, yeah. I thought they were brought over with, you know, the slave trade, basically. So maybe a Caribbean kind of. They are. And there is a difference between sweet potatoes and yams. They're different botanically. I was just going to ask you that, actually. Yeah. And I'm no, I'm no expert on the exact difference. Sweet potatoes are very, very commonly grown. They're even grown commercially in Florida, and they're expanding how much they grow commercially. Yams, not so much here. I think sweet potatoes are better tasting <laughs> than yams. Yeah, and yams are in, technically, yams are in the, the lily family. Hmm. Because air potato is the, the in the same family. The Liliaceae family? Yes, because you have a very closely related plant to air potato, which is the winged yam. Yeah. And you can eat those. Air potato, you don't want to eat. It won't kill you, it won't but hurt it will never you. taste good. Yeah. That, um, we ran experiments years ago, especially at Chinsiga Conservation Center. There were people there then. Uh, Sid might be watching. She usually watches. <laughs> Um, and she was participating in this where they tried everything they could think of to make the air potato tubers, the potatoes, taste good. And they, they just couldn't find anything. Yeah, the ones that grow wild and invasive here in the U.S. are not edible. There's a slightly different <clears throat> variety or species that grows in Africa that is edible. But what grows... Don't think that you're going to be able to go out in the woods and, you know, survive off of it or harvest it. Well, it's not poison, but it's not. Yeah, good. it's not poisonous. It's very alkaline. So yeah. it tastes, and I've never tried it, so I can't tell you what it tastes like. I've just heard that it tastes awful. So we have a question here. Oh, good. Lee asks, my Everglades, Everglades tomato plant is about 10 feet and it keeps on giving. This one grows outside the compost bin. That's a good example. Things will pop up in the compost, just outside of the bin. And if it's a tomato, it will grow and it will give you tomatoes. It won't give you sweet potatoes or watermelons or green beans. It will be a tomato, but it may be different from the parent plant that it came from. Right. Different shape, size, color, taste, because the genetic roll of the dice there sure mm -hmm. and lee says that she would give me sweet potato slips but i'm not in her area <laughs> i'm going to start my own I, yeah. I know how to i've never done it before
But I need to get on the stick with that because the time to put them in is June and July. And I have a lot of digging to do. And it's getting hot. It is getting hot. And that's what I was just um, thinking when you were talking about working outside. I wanted to discuss some of you know the heat issues, especially those of you in South Florida, but even up here. Um, you know, we talked my... You know the nine principles of Florida friendly landscaping. Here they are, behind my head. <laughs> yeah, I can see them. One, two, oh, yeah. three, four. Oh. Lily's first principle is take care of the gardener. So, you know, when it's hot like this, I would say, you know, if you're an early riser, get up early, six. You know, if you want to get seven, you know, if you want to get work done, follow the shade wherever the shade's going in your yard. That's where you're working. You're working in the shade. Water, 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 water inside of you. Um, even if you don't get thirsty. And 9.30, you should be done. <laughs> I aim to start pretty much when it's light enough to see what I'm doing. And yeah, definitely by this time of year, by noon, the outdoor work is done. Yeah. For you, you are more used to being outside. It doesn't bother you. But, you know, it's always bothered me and Nora. We both, she's a native here. Um, everyone tells me I live in the wrong place. I really can't do the heat very long at all. Um, but, and the older people get, they may not realize their heat tolerance is lessening. And, you know, it's it, something you need to really watch out for. It takes practice. You have to get acclimated because even if I don't spend a lot of time outside, especially this time of year, <laughs> I won't be able to take it at all in the summer. Says, says everyone who can get acclimated. Okay, your wife and I cannot. We're not capable. <laughs> we just have to, you know, do things the best we can. Um, if you have a pool... Keep hopping in it, and, you know, get nice and wet, and then cool off, and then go out and do a little bit more. And you need to use some common sense also. Last summer, she goes marching out there in the middle of summer, like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. There's weeds in the flower beds out here. Weeds need to be pulled out. I'm going to go pull some. It's like 2 in the afternoon, full <laughs> sun. I'm like, oh, honey, you don't want to do that. After 10 minutes, she's like, I feel sick. Mm -hmm. I, if you want to pull weeds, that's great. You need to be out there about seven, eight o'clock in the morning pulling those weeds. Not in the heat of the day, you know. And if you want to do outdoor things, even if you want to go to, I don't know, the beach or hiking or sightseeing or going to, you know, historic areas and walking around, do it early. Oh, yes. Because later in the day, either been. it's too hot or it's raining or thunder or lightning, and that's dangerous too. Yes, I've hardly ever been to St. Augustine without it being 8,000 degrees. <laughs> and it's hard to enjoy it that way. So the last Oh, we went to dead of winter once before years ago, and it was yeah. cold. I would rather deal with that. <laughs> and if you ever go on the little trams, you get the tickets to go uh -huh. on the, uh -huh. the little tram. Oh, my God, it was freezing cold because they're, they're wide open. There's no doors or windows or anything. Sure. Yes. I, I froze. <laughs> I hate the cold. Oh, and poor Bill oh, can't go. Baby. Poor Bill can't go home today for because of the way he just uh, did the Nora voice. 
no, and I tell her again. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to do that kind of stuff? Plan on getting up really early, and we'll leave and we'll leave at eight, and we'll be there at nine, and we'll do. That's too early. Yeah, well, it's not a thousand degrees yet. Yes. Um, and because of my job, you know, I'm I'm out there in the evenings trying to do things too, but not till seven at least. The nicest time of day, I think, to be working outside. Is the last hour before it gets too dark to really see what you're doing, mm -hmm. especially if the breeze picks up where you are. Because mm -hmm. the sun's going down, you're pretty much in the shade no matter where you are in your yard. It is just beautiful down. It is, but you know, then you got to watch for mosquitoes. Yeah. That brings up another <laughs> issue. And they actually make those like cooling wicking shirts for gardeners for golfers for anybody outside that are long sleeve but supposed to keep you cooler i need to look into one of those before the hurricane expo coming up on saturday june 4th downtown brooksville come join us outside i won't be there 10 to 2. um please come see <laughs> please come see me bring some ice water and uh, and um, I have a fan I mean a literal fan <laughs> that I was at a softball game a girls softball game with my granddaughter and the ump had this fantastic setup where he used a cooler that he had cool drinks in but he could sit on it so when he wasn't umpiring he was sitting on his cooler against the fence and he had had this fan that works by two uh deval or ryobi you know batteries yeah he, he had hooks on it so it was hooked to the fence and blowing down on him and i was like oh, i want that fan i want that fan i want that fan and because i have such a wonderful husband i had that fan by the next day so that is coming with me to any of my uh events that aren't in january <laughs> so well, you know, the weather this past winter was very nice here. I know that we were able to sleep with the um, doors and windows open, you know, the, the sliding glass doors and the screen mm -hmm. many, many nights. And it was generally very, very nice. We didn't have a lot of the bounces where it got really hot and then really cold, and really hot, really cold. Um, didn't get an awful lot of cold weather, probably enough to make all the different uh, uh, fruit crops bloom and do okay, but not- well, it, it froze, a, it a, froze a, a lot of my, it, I did get my ornamentals froze down to the ground as they do, but they're coming back just fine. And in front of you- Yeah, our fire bushes froze down to the ground, which is normal, and that's fine. Right, mm -hmm. and now it's taller than me when I went by it the other day. Mine at my house is only up to my knees, so I don't know why yours grows better. <laughs> Mine. The one here at the office has already got you waist high and flowering again. My my one at home isn't even knee high at this point. Okay. It'll do fine. Once it starts to rain on a really regular basis, it'll do just great on its own. Yes. And because we had some rain over the weekend does not mean the raining season has started. Not quite time yet. Now, things are getting messed up, though, because... I see everything happening two weeks earlier than it ever used to. So maybe that rainy season is right around the corner. 
I see the um, Adam's needle, you know, the little yucca plants blooming mm -hmm. all over the place. They send up those like those bells, yeah, flowers on their stalks. I don't remember that happening till at least another week or two. So things are a little happening a little bit faster. Maybe the rainy season will come a little bit faster, but generally I'm going to call it and I'm going to pretend it's a normal year <laughs> and I'm going to call it for June 11th, 3.38 p.m. <laughs> Downtown Brooksville. Yeah, because we say rainy season starts June 1st, but I don't know when, if you look at the averages that they have, when on average it starts. And this is just long term, long time Hernando County in anecdotal. Maybe June 3rd or so, the eastern part of the county will get it. Then their rainy season will start. It has a hard time jumping over 75. <laughs> I don't know why, but Ridge Manor is going to start. And then after that, It'll get from there, like to downtown Brooksville, and then get stuck on the Brooksville Ridge, where the mobile home community of Brook Ridge is, and you know Sunshine Grove Road, which of course my house is on the other side of that. <laughs> It'll take another week. At least that has a geological function I can name. You know the Brooksville Ridge is yeah. out of what's happening at 75, <laughs> but um, and then finally it'll get over to the the coast in the western part of the county so and monique so. points out that the darn dove weed has started to come up oh yeah all yeah. your warm season weeds are technically up you may not notice it like for example the um southern sand spur is up and growing it doesn't have sand spurs on it yet and it won't until late summer mm -hmm. but yeah. if you have it in your yard it's out there it's growing right you won't notice it really till August, September. Sure, when yeah, you step on tell. it and your bare feet or your dog does. It's hard to tell from any other grass if, until it starts putting out the sand spurs. And here's something that often gets confused. I'm glad you brought that up. People think that different um, sedges are sand spurs, that like they start out green and rubbery and will turn hard later. No. <laughs> What are those globular sedges? Can't remember the name of it. Well, there's a there's about a half a dozen different common sedges, mm -hmm. and they'll all grow up, and like they an get umbrella. little spiky balls on the top. Then they're not they never get spiky. hard, and they'll never right. poke you. They they don't hurt. They look spiky. Yeah. But they don't hurt. And even I used to think, well, those are sand spurs, and they're going to dry out and turn into sand spurs. Nope. nope. Totally different plant. A sand spur looks like a grass, and then it'll put up a tall stalk and immediately have those very pokey, um, whatever they are. Are they seeds, or what are they? Yeah, those are the okay. seeds. I'm but not sure if pokey is the correct term. In a line, not on the umbrella-looking thing uh -huh. that you see on the sedges. It'll go straight up in a line. And, that's, and the only way I know to get rid of that is I hand pull it and throw it away. You can spot spray with herbicides, but the only people I know who have successfully gotten rid of it just were very, very diligent. They might have sprayed, they definitely hand pulled, and they said within one, two, three years, it was gone. So but it's they possible. know the difference between your sand spur 
grass and your Bahia grass, so where your St. Augustine grass, are the herbicides going to work? Depends. <laughs> there are pre-emergent herbicides if you put them down at the right time of year, which is generally February-ish, right before the sand spurs come up, it will stop them from coming up. There are herbicides, let's say if you have a Bahia lawn, certain things you could use, St. Augustine lawn, other things you could use to go around and spot spray. If you have a really bad infestation or patches where it's nothing but sand spur, you could use a, a Roundup type product, glyphosate. There's a number of other um, herbicides that kill everything to get rid of it. So it definitely doesn't come back. So it all depends on what your situation is. And most importantly, depends on what your goal is. Mm -hmm. And I've heard some people would say they would tie an old carpet upside down to the back of their riding lawnmower. And, you know, if you have a bad infestation to try and pick up at least some of the spurs. To get you can. And pre-emergence can be very effective. But, you, boy, you have to get that timing exactly perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pre-emergence are hard in general in Florida because tell me when spring is. Yeah, because there is a, a perfect day to put them down. If you put them out down too early, won't work. Put it down too late after those weeds have germinated definitely won't work and usually what happens is we have a hard freeze so we think oh it's still winter and then two days later your spring weeds have popped up it's like what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it gave them a boost so hey guys if anybody has any questions go ahead and put them in the chat we don't want to dominate the conversation today but... yeah maybe we're just so captivating that could be <laughs> yeah, we talked about, yeah, the vegetables that you can grow at this time. We talked about taking care of yourself out in this heat. Uh, um, we've been, I've been talking all month. I've been harping on water conservation, concentrating, I should say, on water conservation. And I'm sorry, that's what's going to happen during the month of May for me. All my everything, all my classes is going to be water oriented and why is that because people use a lot of water during the month of may yes they do that is when we draw the most amount of water out because it's hot and dry and people panic they also think okay well i'm going to run out and buy some natives or some drought tolerant plants and they don't think to do that until it's hot and dry you're not solving anything. I mean, I don't want to discourage you from doing that. Please do that. But here's the thing. Drought tolerant plants, native plants, need water to get established, just like any other plant. Yep. So this requires pre-planning. So maybe when the rainy season starts, which it's not too far away. What is this? The 26th, you know, 26. let's say you know 10 12 15 days away at the most and it should start raining almost every afternoon um that'd be a good time then to start your new plantings and then so the next time we have a dry season which will be mm, end of september into october before it will still be hot <laughs> and dry mm -hmm. 
you should have the plants fairly well established that can handle those drier times. So, but you know, to think now's the time to get drought tolerant, that's a great idea, except it's just the wrong timing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they are going to need water to get established. Mm -hmm. And one thing I want you to watch out for during these really, really hot times is you will have many, many plants, whom I call the divas, that are going to look like they are about to die every afternoon at, you know, four or five o'clock. They're looking at you like, oh, if you don't water me, I'm going to die. And I want you to look at that plant and say, okay, diva. Use your hand and everything. Say, okay, diva. <laughs> Talk to me in the morning. Go back out and look at that plant in the morning. If he or she isn't popped back up and happy, then they weren't kidding. <laughs> but um, it's just heat stress. And yep. you end up overwatering them. I killed impatience that way, you know, by believing what they're telling you in the late afternoon. So believe them in the morning, not in the late afternoon if they haven't recovered overnight. So. Okay, we have a very interesting comment coming up. But first, before I forget about it, I'm going to put something in the comments here. And it is a link to a uh, survey that we have put together. So let me go ahead and share that. If, and because I see we have a lot of our regulars on here today, we put together a very, very short survey to find out if we are doing you any benefit. So I'm a big believer in short surveys. If you click on that link, you're going to go to a University of Florida survey page. And we just asked, from watching the um, virtual plant clinics, have you learned anything? Uh, have you implemented that? Have you actually used it in your yard? And do you normally watch this live? Do you watch this recorded? So anybody watching us recorded, please feel free to go ahead and take that survey. Also, we're going to keep sharing the survey several times, every clinic, and also in the comments afterwards for a while. Please only take it once. So if you're a regular viewer, you don't have to take it every week. That's really going to throw off the numbers. Unless you want to say good stuff. <laughs> sure. And um, I do believe... I'm not sure if I act, if I left a spot for any comments or questions or not. I think I might have not included that. But if you guys ever have any nice comments, questions, suggestions, anything like that, please feel free to share them. Share them right here live in the plant clinic, or if you're watching it recorded, share it in the comments in the recorded version, wherever it may be, and we'll we'll respond. We'll do our best to. Um, to help, you know, if you have a class suggestion or a question, we'll do our best to help you out. But here's a very cool question from Jenny because I know all about this. Okay. She said, I don't know if this is anything pertaining to plant topics. This is more of an insect topic. But I saw a weird thing in my stagnant bird bath. I looked up the really odd worm, and it's what's called a rat-tailed maggot. It's a larva of a hoverfly. A really strange bug. I have seen those before also. Hoverflies are, and there's, oh my gosh, in Florida, there's probably a couple hundred species of hoverflies. Mm -hmm. And they vary a lot in size, shape, color, 
They come in a wide variety of colors. They're very small flies that generally look like bees. If you go outside right now or right when we're all done here, which would be in just a little bit, and look at a patch of weeds and look at all the little insects that are flying around the flowers, a lot of them will be hoverflies. They're also called flower flies. And, or robber flies. I think. No, robber flies are something different. A robber fly looks like it looks like a fly to me hoverflies most people think they're bees and most of them are bee mimics and but if you were to actually make him sit still on your hand you would count that you only see two wings that means he's a fly if it's a bee you're going to visually see four wings so that's the easy way to tell the difference hoverflies their larvae are always predators so Larvae of a lot of hoverflies or cirphid flies. This is a family uh, cirphidae, I think. So cirphid flies also. Their larvae uh, are gobble up aphids. So if you have aphids on your plant and you look really closely with a magnifying glass or hand lens, you'll probably see hoverfly larvae. It looks like a fat green or brown caterpillar. And they're gobbling up aphids. So it's an aphid predator. There's a species that gets laid in water, lives in water. If you go and check your bromeliads, because bromeliads hold water outside, if you start looking at everything alive inside that water, you'll probably find um, hoverfly larvae in there, and they eat mosquito larvae. So they're all predators. Different species eat different things. Some... There are species that eat and are very, very good controls for spider mites. Another one, very, very common one that's a really good control for aphids. And there is an aquatic one that lives in standing water that eats mosquito larvae. So, Jenny, thank you for that one. I know exactly what you're talking about on that. And they are pollinators, too. They look like bees and they help uh, pollinate as well. Yes, because the adults do visit flowers and get nectar and pollen so because they go from flower to flower they're effective pollinators too and sydney said she didn't know all about the diva plants so so sydney be sure to take our survey yes. because you learned about diva plants you can say yes you learned something today she's gonna be outside getting sassy with her plants and neighbors will be looking <laughs> at her <laughs> and evelyn good morning welcome uh sure hey keep tuning in we try to be here pretty much every thursday for a live plant clinic mm -hmm. we do online classes all the time we have one just yesterday yes i think on irrigation yes did you share it onto your facebook page no i don't think that i did but i'll, I'll check on that today it's on my facebook page and it should be on youtube later today according to the public information office of hernando county Okay, and Lee's going to take our survey later. Mm -hmm. She's on so the road. So, like I said, he's treating us like a podcast, listening in the car. <laughs> yes. I'm going to start just sharing the link frequently, and I think that over time we're going to get everybody to take it. Just once, only take it once. You don't have to take it ten times. We're not giving out a prize for this one either. Oh. We could. <laughs> well, think about that. Yeah. We need to have a contest. 
I can hand out Air Potato Patrol t-shirts, but <laughs> do we yeah. need do we need a logo and a virtual plant clinic t-shirt? Or we do. I was just a logo to put on golf shirts, like maybe coffee cups. Like up oh, where we have. We have this one here <laughs> yeah. for Hernando County. Maybe. No, we need our own weekly virtual plant clinic shirts or coffee cups because people will be listening to us um drinking coffee cups or maybe a mouse pad <laughs> you know we could start selling our own merch on here so <laughs> i think that's good virtual plant clinic with dr bill as long as you stick the ann lily somewhere on there i will approve the oh i can get really creative with that i'm I'm starting to get a vision in my head about how I think it should look. So I get with my graphic designer, say, don't worry, hon. Not I know today. exactly in my head what I want. Not today. You were making fun of her. So yeah, I wouldn't ask today. <laughs> and then she'll scream that she can't get the idea out of my head and it's going to take forever. And, and she has to get it absolutely perfect, which is a good thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. We'll work on something. I'll look at her and say, that's fine. Just send that to me. It's good enough. <laughs> I do have someone I don't want to use her that often because it's not her job, but you're, you're a marine agent. I can tell her what I want and she draws it exactly like it came out of my head. It's really pretty cool. <laughs> so. Oh, I'm amazed by people who have artistic talent who can actually mm -hmm. draw stuff. I'm just absolutely, I can't even draw a stick figure. No, me either. I mean, they're beautiful in my head, but the, 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 somehow the, from head to hand, just, it does, it's, that's what's the part that's missing. Okay. No, we do need a golf shirt logo and a small logo and then a bigger thing to be put on a t-shirt. How about those sleeves that you can wear to garden in and to help you from mosquitoes? You know, you just pull them up like under your t-shirt sleeves. You can have that. So it's garden related too. I don't know where you would get them done. I know they do exist and they're really good to keep you from getting scratched up if mm -hmm. you're in bushes or scratchy stuff. Yeah. See, we've okay. covered scratchy stuff and pokey <laughs> stuff today. Yes, we have. Neither we of have which is a proper botanical term. We have not covered our normal topic at all. Yeah. Even no, we though we, we talked about livestock and all that and still did not mention the waste product thereof, which is amazing. <laughs> well, I do need to leave in just a few minutes here because I have to go and visit a local grower's farm. And I'm going to be going with our head of uh, recycling, our recycling coordinator here in Hernando County, because they're working on a composting program and they're trying to get letters of support from local growers. And we are involved in public education on teaching people the importance of and how wonderful um, compost is and the potential issues that might come from using uh, animal poo, ding, worked it in, in your <laughs> compost. So 
I would have scheduled that meeting at seven o'clock this morning, but you know, you go at 11 and have a good time. <laughs> it's very, it's very um, cloudy outside. So I'll be okay. And when you see Mr. Bruno, ask him when the compost bins are coming in. So people stop ha hassling me about. <laughs> yes, we do have an active compost bin program here in the county, but they had to order more bins to hand out to county residents. And we just have to wait for them to, to get the paperwork done yes. and have them put them on a truck from you guys usually get them from Canada. It depends. Um, no. We have to we have to have at least three bids out there and the lowest bidder and all that. My barrels. Yeah, if they're coming from Canada. That's a long drive. My barrels recently have always ended up coming from Canada, my grain barrels. Um, I'm not sure where he's, what he's uh, working out about the bins. So, oh yes, we have a, we have a Yes, everybody have a very safe and very fun holiday. If you're going to work in a yard, go outside and do it bright and early or the last hour or so before it gets dark. Both can be very nice times of day. Mm -hmm. Two in the afternoon pulling weeds, not so nice. No. Be happy for your air conditioning. Stay inside. Have a siesta. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, if anybody has a burning question, squeeze it in quickly so we can get it in before we go. But other than that, we are planning on being here again next Thursday at 10 a.m. for our next virtual plant clinic. And I will bring the link to our survey with me once again. So if tell them, you. Yes, tell them about our Tuesday timely topics. Oh, yeah. We're starting to do um, a quick Facebook Live on Tuesday mornings. So follow on either our Facebook page, which is Hernando EXT. That's our short name on Facebook. Or on Lily's Facebook page. And we talk briefly about a timely topic. Briefly ends up being 20 minutes, but you know, we try. It's more yeah, we brief try to keep it brief. Minutes. Yes. And Tuesday, we're going to talk about hurricane prep in your yard. I think I covered the top five um, things you should do. So we'll make it pretty short. I take it I'm putting that PowerPoint together, Dr. Lister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I have PowerPoints that deal with preparing trees. Yeah, I think I have yours. So I'll just, yeah, we'll make a short one. Okay. Yeah. All we need is a couple slides. Make a short. Yep. Follow us on Facebook. As always, we have a, we always share a lot of really good information. We're trying to do more little short Facebook lives. I'm trying to post more often on originally created materials. So definitely like us, definitely follow us both. Mm -hmm. And hopefully we'll be showing up in your feeds. Yep. And I think that's about it. Thank yep. you so much, guys. Everybody have a great yep. Memorial Day. We'll see you here again next Thursday. Thank yep. you, Lily, like always. And don't overdo it outside, but enjoy your long weekend. Exactly. Don't march out there at two o'clock in the afternoon and start pulling weeds out of the flower bed. <laughs> okay. Thanks again, everybody. Everybody have a great day. All righty. Thank you. Bye-bye.